0: Mac Jones is ripped. Matt Patricia is calling plays. The Celtics are title favorites. And the Ringer has a new Boston show. I'm Brian Barrett, host of Off the Pike, the show covering all things Boston sports. I'll have shows multiple times a week covering your favorite teams and with your favorite Ringer and local guests. Plus, maybe Bill will stop by to rant about the Sox. Follow Off the Pike with me, Brian Barrett, now on Spotify.
1: NBA game. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit TheRinger.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG.
2: and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.
3: Welcome into the Ringer Gambling Show. Austin Gale here here to host the Thursday edition of this feed every single week. I will be joined by Raheem, the dream Palmer to talk NFL, specifically Thursday night football spread, total, money line, player props every single week. And at the back half of the show, Roger Sherman, longtime staff writer here at the Ringer and college football fanatic. We are going to be hitting on the college football landscape from a betting angle every single week as well. A two-parter for you. Thursday Night Football, NFL with Raheem, College Football with Roger Sherman, me hosting the whole way through. Let's get it. Finally, Raheem Palmer joins the show. Excited to kick off this Thursday episode on the Gambling Feed with you. we got Buffalo Bills at Los Angeles Rams. Before we get into that, recording this late on a Wednesday here, 11.30 p.m. ET. You're just now getting back from Vegas. Flight delayed? Hangover? What are we talking here, Raheem?
1: No hangover for me. I've I just been grinding, you know, just trying to just put together some decent bets while I was out there. We had some decent amount of success out there, so we were rolling. Um, You know, just had the flight delay, which was unfortunate, but we're back on the East Coast. We're ready for the NFL season. I'm excited. I know you're excited. Tell me your thoughts. Buffalo Bills at
3: Los Angeles Rams. Three months ago on FanDuel, where you should get all your bets, this line opened up at minus one. Rams favored by one at home in SoFi Stadium. It's now moved out, months now, to two and a half. Rams are Two and a half point dogs at home against the visiting Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. The total has not moved a ton. I think opened at 52, now at 51 and a half. And the money line, if you want to bet Buffalo Bills, it's minus 134 on Fanduel. Rams, plus 114. I want to start with the line, the spread specifically. This is, in my opinion, a prime teaser leg in week one, right? The two and a half. If you tease that out, a home dog gets through three, through t- two key numbers in the three and the seven, you tease it out to eight and a half. I think a lot of people, a lot of betters will have this in a teaser leg. And I know you will as well. I was listening to the, the, sh- the episode that came out previously here on the ringer gambling show, the East coast bias show. I know you like this as a teaser leg as well, but are you betting them straight up two and a half? And I guess how many teaser legs you, or how many teasers do you have this Rams
1: eight and a half in as well? See, Here's the thing. I like this as a teaser leg, but it's not ideal. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with Stanford Wong teasers, but there's certain rules when it comes to these Stanford Wong teasers. And when you look at this total, it sits at 52, 52 and a half. There's a 51 in the market. Ideally, you want this total to be 49 or under because when the total is 49 or under, I'll put it this way. The lower the total, the more value you have teasing those points. So, I mean, we're looking at a game which could be a high-scoring game. So, teasing it doesn't have as much value, but I still think there's value teasing this game from teasing it through the key numbers of 3 and 7. So, mm-hmm. I do like the Rams on a teaser, but I don't think it's a, it's a teaser leg that— I don't think it's the best teaser leg on the board for Week 1.
3: Gotcha. And are you
1: betting them straight up at 2.5, or do you like the Bills at minus 2.5? So my model makes this game Bills minus 1.9. And obviously, a lot of that is based on last season's numbers. I think if this were to get to three, and, you know, the Bills are getting a lot of love. I mean, look, I, I'm i going down my Twitter, and I think it might have been NFL Network or somewhere else. Everybody picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl. Obviously, everybody's going to be on the Bills in week one. I think at two and a half. It's not my buy point, but if it gets to three, I'm all over the Rams. I'm with you right
3: there. If this gets to three, three and a half, I don't think it gets that far And now, what, less than 24 hours before kickoff. I think it either stays at two and a half or gets to the three. where you have some push probability on that key number three. If it gets to three, I like the Rams. If it stays at two and a half, they are only a teaser leg for me at that two and a half mark. So I'm going to tease them through three and seven, get them out to eight and a half with some other legs for week one. Looking at the total. I know you and I are both on the over. We talked a little bit in the preseason about how referees are going to be calling more illegal contact on the defense side of the ball could lead to more automatic first downs and ultimately more points. And this total has stayed around 52, 51 and a half, maybe 52 and a half in some spots. I really do like the over. I think that, you know, no Tradavius White in this matchup. He's not going to be playing in this game. No more Von Miller for this Rams pass rush. I do think that these defenses, Bill's defense one of the best in the NFL last year. Rams played well too. I think the offenses are actually better. The quarterbacks are actually better.
1: I like the over a lot at 51 and a half. Yeah, you know, the thing about the Bills' defense, I think the Bills' defense was kind of overrated. I mean, look, when you looked at they were first in DVOA, first in EPA per play, second in success rate. But I think one of the things you just saw last year is that you had a lot of games suppressed by weather. And really, they didn't play too many top quarterbacks. But when they did play top quarterbacks and top-tier offenses, they gave up points. They gave up 42 points to Kansas City in the AFC Divisional Round. They gave up 34 points to the Titans. They gave up 41 to the Colts. And then they Mm -hmm. gave up 33 to the Buccaneers. So this is a team that can be scored upon. And when you look at that Rams offense, what do you have? You have Cooper Cup. You add Allen Robinson. I've asked you about this earlier on on podcast. What do we feel about the Matthew Stafford injury? I think they've put a, a plan in place to where Matthew Stafford should be fine coming into the season. If this were week eight, week nine, week 10, I'd be a little bit more concerned. But I think it's clear that he's healthy. And when you look at, you mentioned Tredavious White. They're going to be starting a rookie cornerback. So who's going to be defending Cooper Cup? Who's going to defend Allen Robinson? I think the Rams can have no problem scoring.
3: I I think you put it perfectly in that they have a plan, right? They have a plan for Matthew Stafford and how they're going to kind of put him on essentially a pitch count with this elbow soreness and how he recovers from this injury. And I think, such a good plan has been put in place over this offseason over training camp that he's gonna be just fine in this one if he has to throw for you know 40, 45, 50 times in this game to win this one against what is obviously a very good offense. You know, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. I know they really like Devin Singletary as the lead back, still a really talented offensive line. Gabe Davis, a touchdown monster. The last time we saw him, I do think that this offense is gonna put up points as well. It just leads maybe not to a fireworks show, right? Maybe not to like a 30, 40 points aside, but I do think both these teams will cl- we'll clear you know, three-plus touchdowns. And when you look at where the lines are in the prop market, I think you have passing yards for Stafford at 270 and a half, Josh Allen at 274. We're expecting 300-plus-yard you know, games for these quarterbacks. That's where those lines are near. I do feel that this is going to be an offensive showing despite really talented defenses, the Jalen Ramseys, the Bobby Wagners on the Rams side, and obviously for the Buffalo Bills, a lot of talent throughout, specifically in the secondary with Micah Hyde and Jordan I'm leaning over. I like the over 51.5. I think that's where we're going to be on the spread and the total. In terms of some other bets, I had some other thoughts here. The highest prop total you can get on FanDuel right now in terms of receiving yards for the Buffalo Bills is Stefan Diggs at just 69.5. I know multiple projections in the market right now, whether you look at PFF, you look at ESPN, you even look at Yahoo, see him clearing that mark more often than not. I like over 69.5 for Stephon Diggs, and what I'm expecting to be a shootout, right? And some of this is correlated, and you can match this up in some same-game parlays on FanDuel if you go to your sports deck there. 69.5 yards still is too low for Stefan Diggs. Now, I know he's going to get the Jalen Ramsey treatment. I just don't think that's enough for him to get a lot of volume where they don't have Cole Beasley in this offense anymore, and they're going to be looking to put up points against what is a very good Rams offense. That's the only prop I really like in this one. Am I wrong to like an over Stephon Diggs 69.5 receiving yards?
1: I don't necessarily think you're wrong. Um, you know, I I have seen some sharp money on his under receptions for the year, so I, I do think it's interesting that, that sharp money came in. Um, obviously there is a lot more competition with you know Gabriel Davis, and then they added Jamison Crowder. So I'm interested to see what Jamison Crowder and Gabriel Davis do because to me there's not a lot backing up. Um, Jalen Ramsey. To me, when you look at, I mean, the The thing with the Rams is they don't have a lot of depth. They basically play fantasy football stars and scrubs. So, I mean, we all know Stephon Diggs is good, but I think you could really see some of those other guys light it up. Man, I, I worry then. I worry because overs
3: in week one, you're, you're going with the public oftentimes. And I, I saw Cooper Cups line set at 92 and a half. That's too rich for me. Allen Robinson, I think, is at 43 and a half. Maybe I like that. The newcomer maybe going over that total against a defense that will be out without Jordavius White. I just think that the Buffalo Bills are not going to be able to coast here. And we know that they're a pass first team, even without Dayball. I think they're going to be a pass first team to see their leading receiver prop line set at 69 and a half. I just think that's that's not enough, right? I don't think it's going to be an offense that spreads the ball around that much to a point where Stefan Diggs isn't clearing at least 70 yards in this game, especially if it's going to be a win. And we know right now where bookmakers have it is the Buffalo Bills favored by two and a half, money line at minus 134. Any other bets in this game? I saw, I saw first half total at like what, 25 and a half or 22 and a half, depending on where you can get it. It's ranging depending on where people are putting that extra point either in the first half or the second half. Any other bets screaming at you for this Thursday night football match? I know there's going to be a lot of handle
1: on this one as obviously we kick off the 2022 NFL season. Um, there's no other r- real best like, really screaming at me, but I, I do think, I mean, I, I really think the over is a strong play. I mean, mm-hmm. like, even when you look at the Rams' defense, I mean, you lose Von Miller, you lose Darius Williams, you lose Eric Weddle. To me, I just don't, I think this could be one of those games to where if a team gets up 7, 10 14 points, the game script is gonna dictate, yes. dictate this to an over. So like I could easily see this happening like very quickly. So I, I just think the over is such a strong play. And I, I really don't wanna be playing, I don't wanna be the guy who's just playing an over on opening night, but mm-hmm. it, it just it just feels like that's the play.
3: And I think I heard J.J. on a previous episode on this feed talk about some sloppiness in, in, in week one of the NFL season. We see that every year, maybe that him steering away from overs in week one. But you made a really good point that I wanted to bring up on this episode as well, is that sloppiness oftentimes leads to sloppiness on the defensive side of the ball, right? Missed tackles and and these things that lead to bigger offensive booms. I think sloppiness on both sides leads to this total maybe being just a little bit too low. I have a heavy lean on the over as well. I might put one or two units on the over 51 and a half. Raheem, I'm excited to do this with you every single week. A deep dive into Thursday night football here on the Ringer Gambling Podcast. Before we go, off to Roger Sherman, the man, the myth, the legend, to talk some college football bets for week two.
0: This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag.
3: The start of the NFL season is here, and the best place to practice your touchdown dance is on Fandle, America's number one sportsbook. Fandle is kicking off week one with a no sweat bet for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a new customer or already have an account. You'll get free bets back if you don't win. Just log in and see for yourself. One of my favorite bets in week one if you're looking to make a no sweat bet is on the Los Angeles Chargers in a revenge game. A revenge game from their week 18 collapse against the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, it's the Chargers favored by three and a half. Over the Raiders at home in Los Angeles, I do think that the Chargers dominate this game, man. Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley, a much revamped defense with Khalil Mack, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson against what could be one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Give me Chargers minus three and a half for my no-sweat bet. New to FanDuel Sportsbook, just sign up with promo code GAMBLERS, that's G-A-M-B-L-E. RS to get started. That's promo code GAMBLERS. Either way, celebrate the return of football season with a no sweat bet during week one. Make every moment more with Fandle, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in select states. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Max refund, $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, or Illinois. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-878-97777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope and 467 369 in New York. The TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Now joining the show, the infamous Roger Sherman, longtime staff writer here at The Ringer. And I have to say this, Roger, before we get into this, I know we're going to be doing this every single week at the back half of this thirty episode Thursday episode on The Ringer Gambling Feed. I've been a big fan of your work for a long time. longtime follower on Twitter. So it's crazy this year, my first year with The Ringer, we get to do a podcast together. So I'm so excited.
2: Um, I love college football. My love for college football has somehow been increased after like an incredible week one. And man, I spent all weekend last weekend just like texting you about um, about the stuff we gambled on, and I'm so pumped to do to be doing this show with you, man. Week one was relatively profitable
3: for me. I'm up 3.35 units we don't, over bets. We don't have to. We, we don't have to.
2: We don't have to talk about. We don't have to talk about our records because that was off the air. We're going to start now, and we're 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 going to start now, and moving forward, things are going to be better.
3: The most gut wrenching loss bet and just overall loss for me was my Aztecs. I went to San Diego State. Five and a half point favorites at home in their new stadium. Snapdragon Stadium. Lose to Jed Fish and Arizona. One of of those hated teams Mm -hmm. in the FBS. They do have... So the two transfers for Arizona... Jacob Cohen, the the transfer from UTEP, I believe, and then Jaden Delora, the quarterback coming over from Washington State. That was the whole offense, right? And I think that was what was not baked into an opening weekend line, right? San Diego State favored by five and a half. The better team on paper, but when you look at those two transfers and what they did in that game, that is something I should have been looking out for. But let's get on to week two. We're going to look at games every single week, probably highlight three to four games every single week in our pick section. Then we have some segments at the back end of this. Roger portion of the episode going to do a spread of the week pick of the week essentially a total of the week and then you have something that I won't tease too much but are we fading the rainbows to close out the show let's kick off with the probably the biggest game of the weekend Pat McAfee just announced his new player or new host on the college game day game day is going to be at Alabama Texas in Austin line opened up at 18. 18-point dogs are the Texas Longhorns against the Alabama uh, Crimson Tide. And now that line has been stretched out to 20-and-a-half. Some money being bet on the Crimson Tide. That game is at 12 o'clock Eastern on Saturday. The total opened up at 59-and-a-half and and is now stretched all the way out to 64-and-a-half. So early money on Bama. And the over, now at 20 and a half, Bama favored, and then the total at 64 and a half. Where does your mind go for this game? It's probably going to be the most watched game this weekend. 12 o'clock start for Bama, Texas.
2: Always weird betting on Alabama games because at a certain point, it seems like it just comes down to how much do they want to score? How much do they want to win by? Which is not something you can, you know, prophecy ahead of time. You can't tell. Whether Nick Saban wants to be mad at his players, maybe they'll win by only 18. Or whether he wants them to have a good time, they can win by 30. Um, but the way I see it, Alabama last year, we they talk about it as a down year. Nick Saban said it was a rebuilding year. This is a team that <laughs> went to the national championship game and was leading the national championship game in the fourth quarter. They had a, not a lot of players picked in the first round last year. Most of their guys came back. The Heisman winner came back. Will Anderson like, should have been the number one pick in last year's draft, but he wasn't allowed. I think he will be this year. Um, I mean, to me, they're just the—I I think they should have even lower number for their national championship odds. And it, it's up to them whether they want to win by 20.5 or whether they want to win by 30 or 40. Even— even though Texas is "quote unquote" back now with the mighty Quinn, how do you feel about Quinn after 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 getting to see him for the for the first time in Texas? It, it was erratic, man. I think that first game for him, I did not like
3: just the the lack of polish you saw in his game. He still looks like a high school quarterback. He's still you know, throwing with sidearm when he doesn't have to. He's not using his feet as much and not getting his feet set on some of these throws. And that's, I think, the big reason why. Quinn's a big reason why this line opened up at 18 because of the name value. And I think a big reason why it stretched out to 20 and a half is because people went back and watched this week one game. Because I do think that there is a lot in that game that I think Bama's going to pick on. And in this rebuild year for Alabama, which is absurd to say from Nick Saban, they're plus 160 right now to win the national championship. Texas is plus 860 to win this game. The, Alabama has a better, better odds to win the national championship than Texas has to win this game. That's how different this team is. To Texas. I think it's a tough game to bet, right? But I think it's important to get on this one because the handle is going to be so large since it's probably going to be the most watched game. I like Bama minus 20 and a half. I think this line could get past 21, past 22. And then the other bet I have on this game is actually the under, the under 64 and a half. I think this Bama defense is fantastic. I don't think that Texas is going to put up as many points as they hope to. And the other thing I'd say there is I'd probably wait, right? Seeing it get bet up from 59 and a half to 64 and a half. I think you could see because it's going to be a heavily watched game because that personal ambition, people are going to be wanting, wa- wanting to watch a high scoring game between Bryce Young and Quinn Ewers. I think this could get to 65, 66. If you see it get to those numbers, I think that's when you bet the under right up close to Saturday.
2: Yeah, I'm also on Bama and, you know, you've got a, a key number there coming up. It's at 20.5. Um, if you could get it before it moves to three touchdowns. Uh, I think, you're, I think you I think I think it's likely to happen, but but get it on this side of the line while you can. Moving
3: down the slate here, we're gonna move quickly in this segment here of college football. Tennessee at Pittsburgh, Hendon Hooker of Tennessee, the quarterback, and then Keaton Slovis coming over from USC, now playing for Pittsburgh, did not look great. In that West Virginia debut, we'll get to that a little bit more. But Pittsburgh opened up at five as five-point dogs at home. That line out to six-and-a-half, Tennessee favored. It's a 330 kick. Total opened up at 69-and-a-half and is actually being bet down to 66-and-a-half right now on Fanduel. I really like Tennessee in this game. Hendon Hooker looked awesome. Looked absolutely awesome in Week 1. And that's a game against Ball State where you saw that line open up, I think, at like 29 it got out all the way to like 35 because – more money getting poured on the Tennessee Volunteers. And I think it's a lot. Of, a lot of that's because of Hooker. Hooker looks fantastic in that game. I think he's probably the more talented quarterback in this one. I think that's why you're seeing this line go from five and a half, five to six and a half now, even as a road favorite. And then with Slovis, still has a noodle of an arm is as accurate as he was at USC, but you just can see that there are throws on his tape he can't make. There's an interception that should have been an interception, actually. DB drops it, but he's trying to go opposite hash, out route in week one against West Virginia. Almost should have been picked. That's going to be him all year, right? Keaton Slovis can't make all the throws. That's a cliche when you're talking about quarterbacks in college and in the NFL. Can he make all the throws? He can't. He also took some ugly sacks in that West Virginia game that they nearly lost, right? I think that's the bigger concern. So I do think I like the the quarterback. I like the team. I think Tennessee, get it before it gets to seven. I really like Tennessee minus six and a half.
2: Yeah, I'm also a big fan of this Tennessee offense. Hendon Hooker, I don't think we talk about him enough as one of the best quarterbacks potentially in the country. Just a huge improvement from the guy we saw at Virginia Tech. His junior year at Virginia Tech, he had nine touchdowns and five picks. He comes to Tennessee plays for Josh Heupel, 31 touchdowns, three interceptions. He was third in the nation in yards per attempt, and one of the two guys ahead of him won the Heisman. And I I just, Pittsburgh, people are expecting them because, you know, they won the ACC championship last year, but that's with Kenny Pickett. That's with Jordan Addison. That's with, uh, they lost their offensive coordinator and replaced him with a a pretty bad (laughs) offensive coordinator, the one from Boston College not a good sign when you're picking up the offensive coordinator from Boston College. Um, So I'm also on uh, Tennessee minus 6.5 if if you can get that before it's 7.
3: I I will say this too that the offensive line for Pittsburgh against West Virginia looked really bad in the run blocking and in pass protection. Some of that is on Slovis. I think he takes ugly sacks. That's kind of part of his game and that holds on to the football a little bit longer and and, and can't really bail out of pockets when he needs to. And I think Tennessee's defense isn't phenomenal. It's not the SEC, right? It's not an SEC defense like Alabama or Georgia, but it's still a really good one. And I think they have enough talent, specifically up front, two big boys up front uh, in 99 and 98. I think that will be monsters against this Pittsburgh offensive line. So if you can get it before seven, which I think it could cross that key number seven, Tennessee being favored, I think you should get it. All right. Iowa it's, State. It's, it's funny. Oh, you go
2: ahead. You, it's funny you bring up Pitt's offensive line because they had like an offensive line highlights. When the guy carried the running back into the end zone, but then every pass play, Slovis was like looking around and didn't know what was happening. So like, people were thinking, "Oh, they have a good offensive line because of that one play." And mm-hmm. eh, maybe not so much. Sorry, I- Iowa State. Sorry, we couldn't. Sorry for interrupting, but we were about to talk about the game of the week. The game of the week. It's a four o'clock
3: start for Iowa State. At Iowa, game opened up. Actually, as Iowa is three-point favorites, and it's now out to three and a half, which I am blown away that Iowa is it has three and a half right now. I, I think Iowa might have the worst quarterback in the Power Five in Spencer Petras. He is terrible. One of the lowest-graded quarterbacks according to PFF in Week 1, and I think he was one of the lowest-graded quarterbacks last year according to PFF. Not a guy that is going to be padding stats against what was a good Iowa State defense in Week 1. And on the other side, looking at the quarterback, Hunter Deckers for Iowa State, there were some ugly throws in that game, but I I do feel that Deckers is the better quarterback here. And to see him getting the three and a half, to get under the hook, right, to get under um, three and a half, uh, you know, past that key number, plus three and a half on the road. I do think that Iowa is a tough place to play in. I think this total is the lowest of any FBS total for a reason. It's at 40 and a half points. It's going to be a defensive Woo! game, but I think the I think the better quarterback wins this one. Maybe it's not an outright win. I think I will sprinkle a little bit on Iowa State money line plus 150, but I'm definitely
2: betting Iowa State plus three and a half. A lot of that because I like Decker's more than I like Petrus. I would like to talk about Iowa's game last week against South Dakota State. (laughs) So last week I was out a little bit in the afternoon. It's not something that we'll do. Don't worry. I watched all the condensed games. I caught up. So I looked at my phone and the score was Iowa 7, South Dakota State 3. First of all, that's the final score. The final score was Iowa 7, South Dakota State 3. The final score, not like first quarter, second quarter. (laughs) Iowa 7, South Dakota State 3. And I looked at it. I thought, okay, Iowa scored one touchdown in the game. South Dakota State kicked a field goal. I was wrong. Iowa kicked a field goal and got two safeties. That's how they got to seven. They have the most embarrassing offense in the Power 5 That could be on the quarterback. They also had 1.6 yards per attempt rushing. It's just a really sad situation there, and I could not possibly bet on Iowa after watching that game, especially not as a favorite. We will disagree at some point during the show, but Iowa State, I'm betting on them on the money line at plus 150 and plus 3.5 because – Yes, Iowa has a great defense, but the way that offense looked against an FCS team—yes, two touch, uh, two safeties, and a field goal—just hideous stuff. And I don't, I don't see it going up from there. I guess it has to because at some point they will score at least one touchdown during the season. But I'm not betting on them. I'm not putting my money on on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Really
3: worried about this Iowa offense, and it's more than just Petrus too. I've already said is maybe one of the worst quarterbacks in the Power Five, maybe one of the worst quarterbacks in the FBS. You look at this offensive line, it's not the Iowa offensive line of old, right? You don't see, I think they have three returning starters, but still, it was beat up, absolutely beat up by the South, South Dakota State defensive line. Like you said, an FCS team, their lead back, LaShawn Williams, played 51 snaps in week one. It just wasn't a tackle breaker constantly hit behind the line of scrimmage. And that, and that's how you end up with a score, 7-3. And four of those points are safeties, right? They just could not move the ball against South Dakota State. Again, that's why the total at just 40 and a half, that might be an over opportunity. It's the lowest total on the slate. And I think a lot of gambling or betting models will see a 40 and a half and lean the over. But I'm not touching it. I'm not touching the total in on this one. I think it could be another 7, you know, 10-7 type of game between Iowa State and Iowa. I am taking Iowa State plus plus three and a half, and the Iowa State money line as well. Kentucky. At Florida, next game on the slate, seven o'clock start Eastern time. Line opened up as Florida as seven point favorites, now bet down to five and a half. Some money going on Kentucky. The total started at 47 and a half and is now out to 52 and a half. Some money being bet on the over. I don't know why. Tell me why Kentucky's getting bet up. Anthony Richardson was on every single sports show after that, you know, that game that he had. You know, looks, he's big, he's athletic, he's drawing Cam Newton comparisons. There are some throws in that week 1 game for Florida against Utah. A really good Utah defense. Some believe they could be a playoff contender this year, where there's a dropped interception and some erratic accuracy, but he is big, he is fast, and has an absolute hose. Might be the best arm in the country outside of DJ Uwengalele for Clemson. He is an insane specimen. And I think that's why people are going to be getting behind him as a potential first round pick in this upcoming draft class, but they are not betting him at home against Kentucky. Again, the line opened up at seven and has been bet down to five and a half Florida, the favorites. Why are not, why aren't people betting more Florida? And why do people look to Will Levis and Kentucky as a
2: team that could cover the seven? First of all, both potential first round draft picks. People are talking about Levis and Richardson as, as top half of the first round uh, quarterbacks. And Here's here's why I think, because I will be on Kentucky at, at plus 4.5. They went 10 and 3 last year. They beat Florida. People, you know, this isn't like Kentucky when Kentucky lost 31 games in a row to Florida. They've won two of the last four against the Gators. They had a higher recruiting rating than Florida did. They were 14th in the 24-7 composite. Florida was 17th. I don't have a lot of reason to think they're going to be that much worse than the team that went t- 10 and 3 last year. They, mm-hmm. they lost Wandell Robinson, who's uh, playing, for the, it was the wide receiver one for the Giants last year. We don't have to talk about that, but um, they got um, this. If you watch the game they had the other day, Barry on Brown, or five, four five star wide receiver recruit, who was the fastest ball carrier in college football week one. He had a 100 yard kickoff return, hit 22 miles per hour. So you know, I, I think this isn't that far off from the team that went ten and three last year. Um, I could I can see them making it a game or winning. The money line is Kentucky plus one ninety. Um, it's I, I think it should be pretty close. I'm on Kentucky plus four point five.
3: This is our first disagreement, Raj. This will be one that first all of many. The podcast- all the podcast listeners get frustrated with, but I am on Florida minus five and a half. And if it continues to get bet down, I would bet it at four and a half. Obviously I bet it as it continues to go down, but I really like this, you know, Anthony Richardson led Florida offense. I think defensively, Brenton Cox Jr. Against Utah was an absolute one man wrecking crew. A guy that has returned to school multiple times, has leveraged the extra year of eligibility due to COVID and has dominated on that side of the ball and looked really good in week one. I think the Florida's a better team. Florida is rightfully favored, and I think that seven line was right where you should be. Now that it's down to five and a half, that screams value. I'm really high on Anthony Richardson as well. And just to speak a little bit to Levis, a guy that I do think could be a first-round pick in this upcoming draft, that week one game for him was ugly. Like, it did not look good. Some overconfident throws, some overconfident mobility decisions, and you know, I hated, hated the interception in the red zone. Just some like, lazy, not putting his feet into it. Some over, I put in here some Carson Wentz-level shit. Which like you never want in there. You never want Carson Wentz level stuff in there as you go. So I I, I do think that ultimately, ultimately I, I I'm on Florida and I'm a little worried about the start for Will Levis. Now a lot of that can change. Don't overreact to Week One in college football, but he's another reason why I'm backing the Gators. All right, last game we'll get into. Then we'll go spread of the week, total of the week, and then are we fading the rainbows real quickly? This is USC at Stanford, and USC if you didn't if you haven't been paying attention to college football has a lot of public money on them a lot of public money on them and it's because Caleb Williams comes over the quarterback from Oklahoma and then the head coach Lincoln Riley also comes over from USC and then they add the Pittsburgh wide receiver former Pittsburgh wide receiver we brought up earlier Jordan Addison I thought this offense would have looked a lot better in week one though I think the design runs for Caleb Williams were surprising and the success he had on those was stunning in a way and that he was really doing whatever he wanted out there running the football throwing the football it just wasn't a lot of downfield passing, right? It was really an offensive line that was blocking it their, their ass off against Rice. And then Caleb Williams just taking what they gave him. So I didn't see what I wanted to see in terms of this next level shit from Caleb Williams in this Lincoln Riley offense. Meanwhile, Stanford, who is a nine point dog at home against USC, opened as a 12 point dog. Now just a nine point dog, some money going on the Stanford Cardinal. I really like Tanner McKee, man. Tanner McKee is an older prospect. I think he missed a year or two on a mission trip, but is back at Stanford and is playing really, really well. I think Caleb Williams is more talented. Caleb Williams is a better prospect in the future for the NFL. But McKee, man, already some high-level quarterbacking on on his tape from week one. I really like what he did against Colgate. Could do whatever he wanted. Not in the way that Williams could running the football, but throwing the football. I think... This is a line I like a lot at plus nine. I wish I could have bet it at plus 12, but I think the public is right. Or this this early money on the Stanford line that has taken it from plus 12, again, Cardinal at home, plus 12, now out to plus nine. I think you bet it, keep betting it as as, as long as it's ahead of the seven. I do think that Stanford
2: covers the nine. I mean, here's here's why I'm on USC. Stanford went three and nine last year. They were 104th in offense, 107th in defense, according to SP Plus. When you got a double hundred situation, that's like that, that's normally something you see like for like bad group of five teams. Um, you know, they've had three straight losing seasons. I think even if you like Tanner McKee as a prospect, you know, I I'm just thinking about how the last few seasons they had Davis Mills, who looked awful at Stanford. He was a five-star recruit. Um, And then he has seven touchdowns as a senior, and then he makes the NFL and he looks fine. That makes me think there's something – this isn't the Stanford program we remember from like 10 years ago that was like pushing the best programs in the Pac-12. This is a a team that's going in the wrong direction. And USC, even if you might not have loved everything from their offense in week one, their team that's going to be a work in progress. They bring in 20 transfers, including like you said, Caleb Williams. Lincoln Riley is trying to, you know, fit his offense to the the people they've assembled. Some of them are from last year, some of them aren't. I'm I'm in on USC. I am <laughs> along with the public. Uh so you know, maybe I'm I'm uh maybe I'm just riding public opinion here, but I think we're when I, I'm not I have no reason to believe that Stanford is going to be significantly better than the, pro, the team they were last year, and mm-hmm. I do think that USC is going to turn it on this year, and this could be the week. They might not have shown it all against Rice, because why would you show it all against Rice? Uh,
3: another disagreement on the slate here. Something I'll we'll mention on Stanford real quickly before we get into our last three segments on the show here. Stanford has Emmett Smith's son now, and the first, EJ, yeah. the first touch of the game, Goes to EJ Smith and he goes 87 yards to the good. Like it was insane to see, um, you know, Emmett Smith's son go out there and literally on his first carry take it all the way to the house. And I think he's got really quick feet. I, I think he's going to be an impressive back for Stanford. I think he only played 33 snaps in that game against Colgate. But man, he's another impressive player on the Stanford team that I think covers the nine. That I think covers the nine. They, right. they,
2: they also uh, they also used to have Barry Sanders Jr. They're cornering yeah. the market on the, the children of the greatest running backs of all time. Missed out on it. Frank Gore Jr. He's at Southern Miss. <laughs> Not that he's That's on the level of Barry Sanders. or
3: Future Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, by the way. All right, spread of the week. Your, your spread pick of the week real quickly.
2: My pick of the week, I'm really excited about this one for two reasons, is UTSA minus 2.5 points on the road at Army. The Roadrunners, beep, beep, are going to defeat the troops. Uh, two reasons here. Uh, UTSA, first of all, looked awesome last week. They went to triple overtime against Houston, uh, which is one of the best group of five teams they lost in the two-point conversion shootout, which is one of the great parts of college football we have now the the triple overtime two point conversion shootout but i'm i'm fading the service academies this year and i'll tell you why Uh-oh. there was a rule there was a rule change this offseason uh with regards to blocking below the waist um there weren't a lot of rule changes they were generally pretty minor they won't affect most teams but you used to be allowed to uh block below the waist up to 5 yards downfield now you have to do it inside the tackle box so that's Uh, the neutral zone and backwards in between the tackles. And that's a huge part of triple option football is cut blocking. Um, You know, these schools don't have guys who are going to sustain blocks for five or six seconds. They don't have guys who are going to push them back. The the military academies have requirements about like how big their guys can be. They need to pass conditioning tests and stuff like that. So they don't have the offensive linemen that other schools do. They rely heavily on that cut blocking. They can't do it anymore. Um, They can't, And and that's, I think, going to be a huge impact on their offenses, and it's going to take away a thing that defenders just don't have to worry about guys trying to take out their knees anymore. And you look at Week 1, Army lost by 10 points to Coastal Carolina. Delaware, which is an FCS team, beat Navy. That was one of the FCS over FBS upsets. So, this year, at least at the beginning of the year, I'm not sure the books have factored in that this is going to significantly change the way these service academies, uh, how effective they are in offense. And I'm I'm going with, once again, we're Meepin. And uh, I, I think UTSA minus 2.5 is my favorite bet of the week.
3: Hashtag fade the troops.
2: Roger Sherman started it. Let's see how far that goes. I, my,
3: my pick of the week here, and I, I really do like the the Florida bet. I do like that. You know, some of the games we had at top. I think Bama covers a 20 and a half. But I am riding with the beeves of Corvallis. That's Oregon State. Nice. My guy, Chance Nolan. Chance Nolan is awesome the quarterback for Oregon State, he can absolutely deal. And I think the head coach there, Jonathan Smith, is really, really turning this program around. You can get Oregon State on the money line at minus 111. The reason I don't suggest the spread is because right now, Fresno State's favored by a half point. If you take Oregon State, and that's at home. Fresno State at home, favored by a half point with Jake Hainer, another really good FBS quarterback. I like Nolan over Hainer. And right now, Oregon State, a half point dog. You can get that at minus one twelve on FanDuel. Just take the money line at minus one eleven. I like Oregon State. I like the beeves coming off a big win. Big win over Boise State. That was they one of my favorite bets last week. Boise State. And it's going to happen again, Raj. I, I I told you when we were texting all day, I was like, it's the it, It's it's One of my favorite bets was the beeves And if you're going to stay up late, I think this kick is like at 10.30 p.m. If you're staying up late, Pac-12 after dark, go chase some beaver. And we're going to no, – whoa, I hate that. Let's regroup <laughs> that. Let's, if you're staying up late at 10.30, go, ch-
2: go chase the beeves That's what we're going to go after. I really do like Oregon State over Fresno State. Oregon State is just crushing the Mountain West, I guess, to start the season. I was at a, a bar Saturday night, and there were a few Oregon State fans there. And – it looks like they just never seen anything like this before. They were like yeah. shell shocked by how well things were going. <laughs> it's a throwback to the Chad Johnson and T.J. Houshmandzada days, maybe. It's what we, we need. Go. It's exactly what we need.
3: All right, total of the week. Every week, I'm going to try and drop a total that I like. I do think that the Alabama under 64 and a half is something that I'll be looking at late in the week, especially if it, it gets continued to be bet up. But I have two this week. It's the first. It's the debut episode of the Sherman and AG Pod where we look at the college football slate i like unc at georgia state under 65 that's a 12 o'clock start and that or and or maryland at charlotte under 65 and a half that's a 330 start i'll start with the unc game i unc could potentially be out josh downs who is their top receiver He did not play in this game last week I just don't know if they're going to rush him. It's a game-time decision, according to multiple reports. I just don't think they're going to rush him back to the field for a game against Georgia State. I just don't. I don't think that's what they're going to do. And with that being said, as good as Drake May has been, fiery release, that's quarterback for UNC. I think there's some concentration accuracy stuff that's kind of ugly. But overall... This is my first drop on the podcast. He's got that dog in him. I can tell. Drake May, the quarterback for UNC. I think it's going to be a blowout. A blowout so much that they don't get to the full 65, and that defense really does step up against Georgia State, especially with the injury to Josh Downs. The other reason I like Maryland at Charlotte is that I think they're down to their third-string quarterback. So Chris Reynolds, the starter, Charlotte, the starter, Chris Reynolds, got hurt in Week 0. Did not play in in, in week one. And then their backup in week one, James Foster, also got hurt. So they went down to their third stringer last week. Now, we're not sure if Reynolds or Foster will be available for this game against Maryland, where Maryland will be going to Charlotte but this total opened up at 70 and a half and has already been bet down to 65 and a half. I think that's because we are expecting potentially a third string quarterback or maybe even the second string quarterback for Charlotte. That's enough for me to get under the 65 and a half. I think that Maryland wins in a blowout. And I don't think Charlotte's going to be able to score if they're onto their second or third string quarterback. So those are my two totals, both unders that's the under in the UNC at Georgia state game 65 and the under 65 and a half Maryland at Charlotte last, but not least Roger. Fade the Rainbows. You texted me, you're like, hey, I kind of want to do a segment called Fade the Rainbows where I kind of think about, will Hawaii cover in Ann Arbor against Michigan 51 and a half? Before you tell me what, this is just the seventh game since 2005, according to Action Network, where an FBS team has opened up as a 50-point-plus favorite over another FBS team. Dating back to 1980, Michigan has only been listed as a 40-point-plus favorite or higher in three times before this week. And they're one and two against the spread in that game. The only time they've covered a 40 point plus spread was against UMass in 2012. And that was a 45 and a half point spread.
2: Do they get past the 50 burger here against Hawaii? One of the worst teams in the FBS. Hawaii, every gambler loves Hawaii because they're on at midnight and you can make your money back for the day. Um, But things on the islands are uh, pretty bleak right now, man. (laughs) Their coach last year was Todd Graham. One of the biggest assholes in all of football players accused of abuse. They said he killed their love for the game he called Hawaii a third world country because of the no vending way. Machines. Wait, is that real <laughs> because the vending machines did not have Dr. Pepper I that was reportedly he didn't he didn't say in a press conference or anything 22 players transfer out including his son the new coach is Timmy Chang who we love college football legend but week zero they were eight point underdogs to Vandy they lost by 53. Jeez. Week one, they were 16 point underdogs to Western Kentucky. They lose by 32. So the spread has not been within 16 points of them. 51 points against Michigan. Michigan is one of the best teams in the country. They put up 51 against Colorado State. They won 51 to 7. And I think Colorado State's a lot better than Hawaii. There's a quarterback battle going on at Michigan. Uh, J.J. McCarthy is starting on Saturday. He's trying to win the job. Jim Harbaugh did some weird stuff. He gave one guy the start week one, another guy week two. So they'll have incentive to score. I would put money on Michigan, minus 51, one of the largest spreads of all time. I I, I think we're going to be faded, fade the rainbows. I'd like it if there could be like a sprinkle of like, what noise do rainbows make? Like I have a, no idea. Like a little harp or something? I don't know, but we're fading the rainbows.
3: Sorry, I Hawaii. love it. And I think the other thing I'll add to that and why you'd be betting the 51 and a half and riding with Ann Arbor. I think that number is even at 50 and a half, depending what book you're booking with. This is also the first time that Hawaii will travel. They were on the islands for for Vandy and Western Kentucky. Yeah. Is that yeah. they, so going- they lost...
2: By 53 at home to Vanderbilt, one of the worst teams in Power 5. Like Van,
3: Vandy made like an eight-hour flight to Hawaii and still beat up on the Rainbows by 53 points. That was a 63-10 to 10 final. So, Hawaii goes to Michigan, goes to Ann Arbor, and will go against J.J. McCarthy in his first start here for Michigan this season. And he's a 50-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm excited to see it. Now, I will say, it's a lot of points. I, I like the idea of rooting for a big dog, but I think I'm with you. I think I'll ride with Michigan, man. I think it's gonna it's gonna be a, a bloodbath there in Ann Arbor. Fantastic stuff, Roger. Always appreciate when our paths cross. I'm excited to do this every single week. Every single Let's week, go. going over games in college football. Will fade the rainbows be a weekly segment? It's hard to say. We will make sure to. Um, we'll make sure to include it as we go, though, and I really appreciate. It depends the time. if we can
2: find a sound effect.
3: <laughs> Big shout out to Stefan Anderson and Raheem for starting the podcast with us this Thursday episode. Fantastic on the Ringer Gambling Feed. Until next time.